All right, so we are starting this series called Silent Killers, and uh, three things we're dealing with. Anxiety, that's this week we're dealing with that. Next week is anger, uh, and then the last week is unforgiveness, and so uh, we'll, we'll be talking about these things. We called it silent killers just because these are the things that uh, if left to, you know, to fester and, and grow in you, that they'll just rob you of all joy and peace and hope. They will silently kill you uh, without you really even realizing it, and so today specifically, uh, we're dealing with anxiety, worry, uh, and uh, you know, I think obviously this is pretty, uh, a certain level of anxiety is pretty normal, regular for us. Uh, uh, but I think a lot of us come in here with an amount of worry or not really knowing how to deal with worry in such a way that it can become overwhelming uh, in our lives and, and, and what is going on in us. And so uh, now how many of you, let's just by raising hands say on a pretty regular basis, you deal with anxiety, worry, fear, stress, anybody? Yeah, there you go. And pray for those who didn't raise their hand. They're just liars. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And so, uh, yeah, this is, this is something we, we deal with, we wrestle with. Uh, we, we really struggle with um, worrying and stressing too much. You know, the, the great theologian Jerry Seinfeld says, uh, uh, he says, the number one fear of humanity is public speaking, and number two is death. So that means that you would rather be in the casket than given the eulogy, right? Uh, you know, we, we worry about a lot of things. Death being one of those. There, there's a thousand of other things that I couldn't possibly hit. All the ways that we, we just drum up worry or anxiety or stress, or th those kinds of things in our life. And, and really, it can, it can overwhelm us. I mean, we can worry about our marriage, our lack of marriage. We can worry about our kids, our lack of kids. Too many kids, you know, we, we can worry about our money, 401ks, lack of money. Uh, we can worry about our health. Uh, during this season, we can worry about fantasy football teams, you know. There's a lot of things that we can really just kind of worry about in our lives that we stress over and, and just it goes over and over in, in our lives. And, and usually we can think, man, I can manage a couple of these, but most of us worry about all of these. And it can become just that silent killer, that thing that just steals our, our joy. And the enemy uses it to still kill and destroy, really, our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with the church, all the things that God wants to do in us. And, 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 and the, that worry and stress, anxiety, can really uh, kill it in, in us. Now, did a couple research things. It's, it's, so it says that I, uh, this thing I saw says 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are worry and stress related, like backaches, headaches, um, you know, uh, um, uh, insomnia, ulcers, depression. All these things are, are, are you know, come from stress, worry, uh, anxiety, these kinds of things. I even experienced this in my own life. When both of my latter two children was born, like for six months afterwards, I kept going to the doctor because there's like this blurry spot in my eye. And they said, hey, this is because of stress. I'm like, they said, have you, have you had anything happen that's stressful? Like, yes, I'm not sleeping. I just had a kid, right? Like, so this, but this is a lot of us. We have this stress, this anxiety, this, this worry that can be debilitating in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, if you were to Google uh, how to deal with my anxiety, you would get over 300 million results. 
And most of them are just crap, right? Like some of them are okay, some of them are decent, but a lot of them are just like self-help junk that really is not gonna, gonna help you at all. And so in the internet, you're gonna get a lot of speculation. Today, I want us to look at God's revelation. I want us to look at the Bible and say, okay, what does God think about anxiety? What, what does God say to the people of God of how to deal with worry and stress and, 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 and anxiety? What are we supposed to do biblically? What does the Bible tell us to do biblically with our worry, fear, stress, uh, anxiety? Now, I want to be clear here before we move into the, into the text um, th there are, I I'm not today going to deal with clinical anxiety, okay? Uh, there are physiological factors, uh, there are chemical imbalances that can lead to anxiety disorders, uh, can, can lead to clinical depression. In these cases, uh, I'd encourage you to get professional help. I'm not a psychiatrist. I am not an LPC. I am not a psychologist. I'm barely even a decent counselor. Like you come to me and say, David, this, this is going wrong in my life. And I just say, stop it. You know, that's, um, so uh, we have other counselors that are better at listening than me. Um, but uh, I say that because there are many of you that do actually need professional help. And uh, I, I want to encourage you like, um, anxiety, worry, like, like clinical anxiety is still in the realm of sin. And by that, I mean not sin, of, uh, not sin of commission necessarily, but sin in the same sense of uh, heart disease is a result of sin. Um, you know, cancer is a result of the fall of sin. Like all the things that plague us with diseases and, and things that happen to our body, these things will not exist in heaven. Therefore, it is because of the fall, because of sin, that we have these, you know, these, these issues with our physical bodies that we need to take care of. And so there are many of you uh, that you need to uh, go and, and seek professional help. Now, I know you'll hear some crazy pastors and preachers that'll get up and say, if you struggle with clinical anxiety, just stop it. Well, that's not helpful at all. Right? And so some of you are trying to fight a battle on your own, and that's not helping you or helping anyone around you. And so you really need to seek professional help in, in those things. And so specifically, I'm not dealing with the clinical side of that today. I'm going to deal with the, the garden variety anxiety, worry that we all struggle with, right? I'm, we're going to look at the scriptures and say, what does the scriptures say about uh, these kinds of worries and anxieties that we need to really, really uh, deal with? And so uh, our bottom line for today that I want you to walk home with, and, and I'll explain it more as we get deeper into the sermon, but is lay worry down, lift him up. Lay worry down, lift him up, and I'll explain that towards the end, okay? But let's read. Let's start reading Matthew 6. I'm going to read 25 through uh, 34 today, but I'm going to break it into three sections. So we'll start with verse 25 right now, okay? Matthew 6, 25. Again, it's on the screen if you don't have your Bible. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? All right, a couple of things here. Let's stop there. Uh, Jesus came, the scripture says, Jesus came to give us life, to give us abundant life. And here is a, anxiety is a silent killer, something that robs us uh, and sucks the life out of people, right? So uh, he tells the, the, the crowd that he's preaching to, he says, don't be anxious, don't, don't worry about these things. Now, 
That sounds real idealistic, right? Like you're, you're basically saying, don't worry. That's like telling a lot of us not to breathe. Right? Like we have worries. We worry all the time. We worry about small things. We worry about big things. We worry about things for other people. We, we, I mean, we get in this cycle of worry and anxiety that really keeps us spinning. And so, uh, and so for Jesus to say, don't worry, trust me, that's a, that's a big deal. And I think to, to realize where Jesus is coming from, we have to understand that we weren't made this way. We weren't made before the fall, before sin, we weren't made to have this kind of anxiety and worry. Remember, think about Genesis 1. God creates Adam and Eve, and everything's great. Everything's good, perfect, right? Think about, think about their situation, right? There was no disease, no death, no worry about money, no 401ks, right? No, uh, they, they, they never uh, had no bills, praise the Lord, right? No, uh, no, no, no horrible bosses, no bullies, right? No, uh, no working too many hours for too little pay, right? No, you name it. There was, there was none of that. No crazy boys trying to lay hands on our daughters. Well, in our society, no crazy girls trying to lay hands on our sons. Like there was, there was no, there were no relational issues, no unfaithfulness in, uh, no unfaithful spouses, no rebellious kids, praise God, right? Like no, um, no, no terrorism, no cellulite. <laughs> that means burgers and peanut butter fudge shakes with no consequences. Amen. Uh, you know, the, the marriage between Adam and Eve, there was no relational turmoil, no conflict. Eve never had a headache. You know, there was a lot of just goodness. I mean, that's a result of the fall, right? Uh, I mean, it was, it was awesome, right? No stress, no worry, no anxieties, uh, no, no, none of that, right? But the problem is it didn't last long. The two, two, uh, into chapter 3, there are two chapters in and it's ruined. God had told them, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they ate. They did the one thing that God had told them not to do. And, and like all sin, sin doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone around you. And the same thing with Adam's sin, Adam and Eve's sin. They, they ate the fruit. And the scripture says, as one man fell, all humanity has fallen. And so what he did passed a new nature on to, since Adam and Eve are the, are the parents of humanity, their sin passed down to all humans beyond them. And so we're born into this sin nature, and it affects everything we do and everything that is around us. And so uh, even, you know, the point... God didn't create us to worry, but because of sin, because of the things that have entered into our life with sin, now it's something that we do. And I would also challenge that I think, uh, you, you know, I don't think it's a natural reflex. I think it's a conditioned reflex. And by that, I mean, um, you know, a natural reflex is if you touch a hot stove, you're going to take it off real quick, right? You don't have to think about, you know, you didn't get, someone didn't have to teach you that when you feel something hot, get yourself out of there, Right. Uh, but when you're driving 90 miles an hour down the interstate and you see a state trooper, you slam on the brakes. That's a conditioned reflex, right? That's something you learn to do because you don't want a ticket, right? 
I, I think this uh, worry is a, is a conditioned reflex. I don't think we came into the world as babies. You know, we, we would cry, right, because we were hungry, and then magically we would be fed, and we wouldn't immediately begin worrying about, oh, I wonder if we're going to get fed the next time we're hungry. We wouldn't do that, but we begin to learn that. We begin to learn and be conditioned, and, and it can even start earlier. I think like some symptoms like separation anxiety and some different things where our sin nature begins fleshing itself out in these ways of worry, these ways of stress and anxiety in our life. But it's these learned things in us, which I think is encouraging for us because if, if we have kind of shaped our life in such a way to be conditioned to worry, then I think there's some things that we can do to begin to condition our life to not worry and to begin to shape the way we think and the way we see the Lord, the way we handle the scriptures, the way we walk in our lives, that we can begin to step out of that to some degree. Right, uh, and so I think that's very, very encouraging uh, uh, to us uh, in this thing. So, so look at what, again what Jesus says. He tells them, "Don't worry about what you eat or wear." And that's a big deal. I mean, food is pretty important. Clothes are pretty important. Like, without food, you starve. Without clothes, you go to jail. Like, these things are important things for us. Uh, and, and in our culture specifically, I don't think we worry about uh, what we're going to eat. I think we worry about where we're going to eat, right? I don't think we worry about what we're going to wear or if we're going to have something to wear. I think we're going to worry about what of the plethora of things in our closet that we want to wear, right? Uh, you know, it's like uh, you, you can tell that we have a weird sense of anxiety and worries if you've ever said the statements, and I won't narrow this down to a gender, but if you've ever said the statements, I just don't have anything to wear. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, we, we have this issue of a different issue than the first century Israelites, right? Now, let me give you some context here. First century Israelites woke up every day wondering, all right, I wonder if I'm going to be able to get a meal for my kids to eat. They woke up every day thinking, how long is this tunic or these sandals going to last? I'm going to wear them as long as they last. And then once they wear out, I've got to get more. And so they would constantly be worried or stressed or trying to figure out, all right, where am I going to eat? Where's my next wardrobe going to come from? And so, so they would worry about these things. And so Jesus speaks in their life and says, don't worry. I got you. Like, I, I, you don't have to worry about where your food is going to come, come from. You don't have to worry about where your clothes are going to come from. I am in control of all of that. I, I am sovereign over all that. You can trust me with that. And I'll talk about more of the details in just a minute of that. But for right now, I just want you to understand, Jesus is trying to get across to them, essentially, that the value that they assign to something would determine how much they stress and worry about it. And so they're putting a lot of value on what they eat and what they wear. And so their stress level for what they eat and what they wear is very high. Now, ours might not be what we eat and what we wear, but a lot of times the value that we assign to the things in our life is, is directly related to how much we stress and worry about those things. So if you have high value on your money, like higher than the thing, like it's, it, it is unhealthy in how high the value you have on your money, so much so that you would even go as far to say that that, that is a higher value to you than your worship of God, then you would begin to do some things and stress and worry about these issues. And, 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 and ultimately, what you worry about, what, what you consume your life with is also what you worship. 
So you worship what you value, and oftentimes we value things more than we value God. And so that's why these false and empty gods produce in us worry because they fail us. They, they, they don't produce in the end. So here's, what, here's our line of thinking. We begin to think, okay, I'm going to, you know, I, 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 I want more money. I need more money. I want to keep the money I have, or I don't have enough money. I need to get more money. And so all of a sudden, we begin to place this huge value on money, more so than God. And so we have this value on God. And when money fails us or even tempts to fail us, we begin to worry and stress because we see that false God not coming through for us. And even the things that, the, that money might promise. Hey, you get this, you'll be happy. You get this, you'll be peaceful. You get this, you'll have life and hope and joy. And then you get it, and you don't have any of those things. And you say, this has been a false God in my life. And it's just produced this worry uh, out of it. And so there's these idols that creep up in our life that we, we worship because our, Calvin says our hearts are idol factories. Like we, we constantly have these things that, that creep up that want to take the place of God in our life. And so we begin to, and when they, they, they begin to fail us, that produces in us more worry and stress and anxiety. So the things we give high value to, the, th- the things that we, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 what we worry about is direct proportion to the value we give it. So what do you worry, worry most about? Do you worry about kingdom things? Do, do you worry about your personal finances? Do you worry about your kids? Do you worry about... These can oftentimes point to the idols that we have in our life, the things that we worry most about. Uh, some more examples. I already gave you uh, a money example, but let, let's say it's your kids. Let's say you, you, your idol might be your kids, and you, you, your kids is what produces the most worry and anxiety in your life, right? Our uh, very own, my, my mother-in-law, Selma Wilson, I'm going to give her credit. I'm going to take flack for it later, I'm sure. Um, she published a blog that says, these are signs Uh, that you may be making your kids an idol. Here are some of those signs. Your need to make them happy keeps you from appropriate discipline. I don't struggle with that one. (laughs) But essentially, you want to be their friend rather than their parent, which is an epidemic in our culture. Every conversation revolves around your kids. Your kids are an excuse for not going or serving the church. You compare your kids to other kids. Well, I got to get them in another travel ball team, another ballet class, another tutor. I got to get their grades better, their grades higher. I got to do this. You compare, compare them to other kids. Your time, energy, and focus says your kids mean more to you than your spouse does. It's the age-old principle that a lot of divorces happen once the kids are gone because y'all were just being parents and roommates, and essentially you forget. You didn't. You forgot what each other, what, who each other were, outside of your role as mother and father. And so these are ways that we can make our kids idols and and produce in us great worry and stress and anxiety. When when we assign higher value to things in our life than we should, that that is a form of idolatry, and we have things in our life that are that are just completely out of out of balance. Uh, now, let's read on. Let's see what Jesus says next uh, to, to the people. Verse 26 through 32. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you so anxious about your clothing? Consider, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Okay, let's pause there for a minute. So Jesus is saying to the crowd, look, see that bird? At that bird, I am, I'm sovereign over all things, and I feed that bird. And that bird has significantly less value than you do, my children. Right? That bird will be born, it will eat worms, it will crash into windows, and it will die, and yet I still take care of it. Do you not think I would take care of you? He says, look at the flower of the field, how beautiful it is. Now, I did that. I clothed the flower, which is going to be mowed tomorrow. I did that. Do you not think I can take care of you? Jesus here is imploring the people and saying, I am sovereign over all things. How much will you trust me in that? Will you continue to think you can do this in your own power or that your worry will accomplish anything? Will you put your trust in me? Put your trust in, in me. And in, in verse 32, Jesus says, I know your needs. I know your needs better than you know your needs. He says, if I'm going to take care of the bird and the flower, you not think I'm going to take care of you? So you're stressing, saying, what, what, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What, who's going to take care of me when I'm old? What, what about my kids? They're off the rails. What, what, what about my life? And he says, man, do you not think I can take care of you? He says, he says, I'm sovereign over all these things. I, I am good, and I rule, and I reign. How long will you go, stop trusting in me? How long will you go on trying to accomplish it and worrying about it? And, and then he says, I love uh, one of my favorite passages in this text is, um, how, how many of you does worrying add a single hour to the span of your life? Matter of fact, for us, it probably takes away hours from our life. It doesn't help us. Worrying accomplishes nothing, right? Worrying is like, okay, I got to go to the grocery store. I get in the car, I crank the car up, and I rev it up. I turn it off, and I go back in the house. What did it do? Nothing. It did nothing. It didn't, it didn't get me anywhere. I had this thing I needed to do, but it didn't get me anywhere. Worrying helps nothing. And how many of you would say this great thing was accomplished in your life because you worried about it? <laughs> None of us would. Nothing is accomplished by uh, us worrying about it. And the reality is that worry can't change the past. It can't c control the future. It can only make the now very miserable. And, and then let's look, and, and I want to dissect some of the, 
uh, the, the, the how-tos behind cat, you know, uh, dealing with our anxiety. But let's look at what he says next, uh, because I think this is the key in dealing with our worry and our anxiety. Verse 33 and 34 says, but seek first the kingdom of God. So he's just listed all the things. He just listed, you know, these are the things you might worry about. I take care of the birds of the, and, the, and the flowers of the field. I take care of all of that. And the Gentiles, uh, these, these people who don't know me, that just like the, look like the world, they worry about these things. But he says, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all those things, all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Okay, a couple, couple of things here. First of all, I love that Jesus, he says that the Gentiles are pursuing these things. If you remember the context, he's talking to predominantly Jews here and people who called themselves the children of God. And, and so essentially what he's saying is those who have hitched their wagon to Jesus, those who are saved, those who have come under the cross and bowed their knee to him as Lord, and they say, yes, I can't get to heaven in my own power. My sin would keep me from that. I need you, Jesus, to get me to heaven. Those who would call themselves believers should live in a different way than the world. The way we process things in our life should look differently than the world processes things. The way we stress over money issues should be different than the way the world stresses over money issues. The way we stress over kids, our own kids, it should be different than the way the world stresses over their kids. The way we look at our jobs should be different than the way the world looks at our jobs. Like we should be radically different from those that don't know Christ because we have a higher hope. Our hope is not in this world. Our hope is not in our 401ks. Our hope is not in our kids being right, upstanding citizens. Our hope is in Jesus and him alone. Christ alone, cornerstone. Like He's it. He's where our hope is found. He's where our joy comes from. He's where peace is found. No, no other realm is those, are those things found. Only in him. And so Jesus is imploring us, saying, hey, believers... You should be living differently. You should be worrying differently. You should be dealing with your anxiety differently. You should be processing these things differently because you are his child. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Now, I want to give you some practical here. I want you to walk away with some very tangible ways to battle anxiety that I think we can deduce from this text. And, and it falls in, in, in the two points that are in our bottom line. Lay worry down and lift him up. Lay worry down, lift him up. All right, so how? First, let's deal with lay worry down. Uh, the first point in, in laying worry down that I, that I really want you to walk home with is this, to turn worry to prayer. Uh, this has been really helpful for me in my own life in dealing with worries or anxieties is turning worries into prayer. You know, your, your mind is, a, and is an incredible thing. It, it is, uh, I mean, if you begin to study all that the brain can do, it is fascinating. And, 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 and how God has wired us and designed the brain, it's incredible. And how the, these uh, synapses just fire off and, and, and so many, you can have so many thoughts within a day that, that to count the numbers is just ridiculous. Like, you're like, I didn't, did I really think that many thoughts today? But it's true. We have so many things going on in our brain, even at the same time, which leaves us, you know, we, we're with ourselves a lot in our own mind, right? 
So we're, you know, we're listening to ourselves. We're hearing ourselves. We're thinking these thoughts. A lot of stuff is going through our head. And I don't know the percentage, maybe 90-something percent of everything that flows through our mind is a worrisome thought, right? Like, Tomorrow, you might have a commute to Nashville. I wonder if I leave early enough, if I'm going to make it. I mean, every year I got to back it up 30 more minutes, and I don't know if I'm going to make it there on time. I don't know if my kids are going to, you know, suck at life. I don't know if I'm going to, you know, uh, have all these <laughs> fears and anxiety. And I'm not jet lagged either. Last week I was jet lagged. Um, nothing to blame it on this time. Uh, I, I, we have all these thoughts that run through our brain all the time. Right? Like, and it happens. Like, you're driving, you just you lose yourself in thought. Man, well, I don't know if this is going to happen. And all of a sudden, you begin this, down this road of worrying about a particular thing, and you find yourself looking up and be like, man, I've spent my whole commute or three hours last night or whatever worrying about a particular issue. One way that we can take that captive for Christ is to turn those worries into prayers. This does a couple of things for us. One, uh, you, you know, w- w- when, we take the, when we take these worries captive for Christ, w- what worry would do, what it'll, it'll kill our faith. What taking them captive for Christ and turning these things into prayers would do, it will build our faith. So it takes the normal stressors that we have. God, I, I'm worried about if I'm, if I, you know, instead of just stressing over your kids or your money or your job or your whatever, you're saying, God, I need you to provide for my family as I know you can do. God, I'm worried about what life's going to look like after I hit retirement age uh, and, uh, and, you know, the volatile market and all these kinds of things. I don't know. Help me be, have peace in you and joy in you regardless of the fluctuation of a number. God, this conversation I need to have today, I need your grace and peace in the middle of it. I don't know about you, but probably one of the things I do a lot, maybe it's just because I'm a pastor and and have counseling conversations or or, a lot of my job is just with people, uh, is that I will have, especially if I have a hard conversation I need to have, right? You know how many times I'll play that conversation in my head before I actually have the conversation? Like, I've had this argument 14,000 different ways. It's like, all right, if he says this, and I'm going to say this right here, and then he's probably going to say this, then I'm going to Jesus juke him with this Bible verse <laughs> and show him that he's wrong, right? <laughs> it may not be the, you know, this hard conversation for you, but you do this too, right? Like, if my boss does this, and I'm going to tell him I quit, and I'm going to do this. You, know, like you have all these things, thoughts in, in, in your mind, but how much better when I, because the reality is most of the time when I've had those 14,000 scenarios in my head, I actually have the conversation with the individual and it never happens like I thought it was going to happen. God takes care of it. You know, it's usually much more peaceful than I had imagined it being. It's usually, you know, a lot better, but how much time did I spend stressing, worrying, playing the scenario over and over in my head, and it never came to fruition. How much better for me to say, God, I've got this conversation tomorrow. I need your grace and peace on my soul. I need you to give me the words that would point both of us to, more, to be more like Jesus. I want you to help, you know, whatever the situation is. Like, God, I need your grace and peace to deal with this hard boss. 
You know, I, I need you, Father, to, to give me the words to say to my teenager who doesn't listen to me anymore. God, I, I need you to, to show up in, in his or her life and, and show them the worth of the kingdom. God, I need you to help in providing for our finances because I don't know how we're going to pay all the bills this month. How much better to take these worries and turn them into prayers? It, it takes what robbed our faith and it begins to build our faith. It, it takes what was meant for evil and to steal our joy and begins to cast our, our thoughts and our worship to the one who can actually do something about them. Which leads me to my second thing. So you, you have turn worry into prayer. The second thing is cast your anxieties upon the Lord. The scripture says that. Cast your anxieties upon the Lord. I love that it says cast. Because your worry and your anxiety is meant to be cast upon the Lord, not carried. You are meant to bring these. God is so good to us in that. He knows the anxieties and the worries that we have. He says he knows the needs that we have. He, he, he knows what we stress about or what the, the, the fears that we have. He knows the, 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 what's coming down the road or what could come down the road. He, he knows all of these things. And he's so good to us to provide a vehicle in which we can cast. This is why he has established prayer for us. That we, as children going to their father and asking for good gifts, can come to God and say, God, take these worries and stresses from me. God, show up when I, I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do here. I can do this in my own power, but I know that casting upon you is going to be better off for me. He has provided for us a way that we can bring our anxieties and lay them at his feet. What a good God. That because Jesus died on the cross for you, the church, that we come into the presence of the creator God and bring our anxieties and our stresses to him. And he doesn't care. Now you bring, whatever, they're small or they're big, he cares about you. It doesn't matter. He says, cast your anxieties upon the Lord. All of them. Cast them upon him. Now you might, uh, you know, you might immediately dismiss this. You might say, David, I know you're supposed to say that because you're the preacher. And, uh, uh, but, you know, my problems can't be fixed just by saying pray about it. <laughs> I got big problems here. I would say to you, you have a real God. As real as your problems are, that so much more real is your God. And our lack of faith to, to cast our anxieties upon the Lord shows us that we haven't done it. We, we don't trust God. To, we think, whether subconsciously or, or, or uh, just straight up, we, we think that God can't take care of our problems, and the only solution that we're going to find in our problems is if we take care of our problems. So the way we take care of our problems is worry, 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 worry. And do, you know, position our life in such a way that maybe it'll work out, maybe it won't. But he has provided for us this way of praying and bringing our cares, our worries, our anxieties upon him, laying them before him and asking him to move through them. He's a, he's a real God. He's a big God and he's a good God. And he's provided you, his children, a way for you to bring your anxieties and stresses and worries to him. And then the third thing I would say to you 
in laying it down is you have to lay down idle time. I know a lot of people really struggle with anxiety and depression. You know, stress and anxiety is prone to lead them to depression. Maybe they don't have clinical depression, but maybe bouts of depression or fits of depression or whatever. Uh, Oftentimes, the best counsel for you is to get busy doing something productive Uh, because you know you. And you, you begin to, to think a dark thought or one of stress and anxiety, and it kind of wormholes on you. To, it's this cyclical thing that leads you down a road that you can't get yourself out of. And so you, you can find yourself spending just hours just getting deeper and deeper in this stress, anxiety, and worry that really, really is unfounded in a lot of ways. And so my encouragement to you would be get busy. Um, you know, what is something you can do that's productive for you, your family? How can you serve the community or, or your church? And even in the late night hours, like find things to make yourself productive. Like can you write encouraging notes to the church? Can you, can you write, uh, find scripture that you can send to encourage someone else? Find ways to make yourself productive in hours that you know the enemy works in you. Get busy. And not just busy for busy's sake, but busy for kingdom's sake, which leads me to the next one. So, so in, in, in laying worry down, you're going to turn worry to prayer, cast your anxieties upon the Lord, lay down idle time. The second point is to lift him up. In the scripture, he just said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So three things I want to give you here. One, uh, you have to battle anxiety with the sword of truth. Um, you can't willpower your way out of worry. You need God to do it. You need God through the power of his Holy Spirit to do it. And the way he primarily works through his children is through the word of God. So the word of God needs to be all over your life. You need to memorize it. It needs to be on your phone background screen. It needs to be in your bathroom mirror. It needs to be on your car dash. It needs to be in your heart. You need to play uh, James Earl Jones reading it on your radio. There's extra godliness there maybe if he reads it. Uh, you know, there's, you just need it around you. You need the word of God in you, around you, in your mind. And you just need to surround yourself with the Bible. You need to read the Bible. You need to read out loud the Bible. You need to read to your families the Bible. The Bible needs to have a huge part of your life every day. It, it, this is how you battle worry and anxiety. It's through the truths of the scripture. Because it will begin to put in the right perspective the things that, that we worry about, which leads me to the second point, uh, live in the present. Live in the present. You can only control what you can control. You can't control what you can't control. How much of our worry is stuff about tomorrow? That's why the scripture says, don't worry about the things of tomorrow. Today has its own troubles. L- live in the, the present. Oftentimes, we worry about the what if, and the what if never happens. So we've just wasted, you know, our emotions, our heart, our thought, mental processes given to worry. And so we need to just live, live in the present, continue to cast our life upon the Lord, which leads me to the third point, um, that uh, kingdom, you need to have a kingdom first life. Kingdom first life. 
uh, a lot of the anxiety and worry you may have in your life is because it's self-induced. You've put stuff in your life that doesn't need to be there, whether that's because of sin or that's because of life decisions that you've made that has produced in your normal routine. Uh, uh, you know, your life looks more like Jerry Springer because you put crap into it that don't need to be there. Right? Like you need to get some stuff out of your life. Like, they're, they're like if a portion of your life would be, uh, of the stress in your life would be eliminated by getting something out of your life that's not kingdom focused, then get rid of it. Cut it out of your life. Maybe it's a relationship you have. Maybe you're, you're, you're a single person in here and you're spinning your wheels with this relationship, but it's producing in you all this stress and anxiety. And this, you know this relationship doesn't honor Jesus, doesn't honor, it's not kingdom first relationship. Well, cut it out. Cut it out of your life. Maybe it's something you've added to your life that you're like, man, I'm stressed. I'm worried about this. It just owns a lot of you. And you know it's going to, at the end of your life, it'll burn up and it will not have mattered. Cut it out now. You know, I think about in 100 years from now when we're all dead and those of us that are Christians will be with Jesus and we'll look back on our life at the things we worried about. How silly would some of these things be? Right? Like, like when we're Jesus 100 years from now and we're saying, Lord, I, you know, I don't know why the kind of car I drove really mattered to me. When you're in the ground, I wonder why, you know, I was pretty foolish of me to worry about my retirement now, isn't it, Lord? Yeah, a lot of good that 401k is doing you today, 100 years from now. There, there's just the things that we stress and worry about, we need to put them under the lens of kingdom and say, all right, will this burn up in the end? When I'm with Christ 1,000 years from now and I look back on the way I lived my life, will it have been a worry that was worthy of the kingdom? The things that we should consume ourselves with, worry with, is do people know Jesus? Are we living our lives for the glory of God? Are we living sent, missional living? Like the, the, the things that we, you know, are we raising our kids in Jesus, raising them in the Lord? Are we, are we living intentional lives for, like the things that we spend our days worrying about just will have no kingdom purpose in the end. And so this is why he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom. And I think we'll realize, man, that the things that we worry about, when we put them in kingdom perspective, will have small significance in our life compared to him. Again, the thing we place highest value on is the thing that we're going to worship, which will produce in us. The, the, if, if it's not God, it's going to produce in us worry. All, all the things that are the antithesis of worshiping God. You worship God, you find hope, peace, and joy. You hold something higher than God, you're going to find worry and stress and anxiety. And it's when those things get out of balance that we give higher weight to the things that don't matter. So we, so we lay worry down and we lift him up through the Bible, through living in the now, and having a kingdom-first life. 
Now, what I want to do now is the guys are going to come uh, um, play two more songs for us. I'm going to explain um, how I want to walk through something uh, after I pray. Okay, let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. Um, we know we are frail and, and that uh, oftentimes we worry about things that really don't matter. And so, God, my prayer is that you would just help us to fix our eyes upon Christ, that we, that we would fix our eyes upon Jesus. But because when we do that, it, it puts everything else in right perspective. It puts everything else in right perspective. And so, Father, I pray you would help us fix our eyes on you, and I, hope you would, I pray you would help us to lay down on Specifically, as the word says it, cast our anxieties upon the Lord. That we would stop carrying what is meant to be cast upon you. That we would stop trying to solve our own problems as if we're smarter or better or more able than you. That we would cast these things upon Jesus. That we would lay them at the foot of the cross. And we would say that we worship you. We trust you. We believe that you're sovereign over all things. We know you're working a plan to the good of those who love you. We believe that. We trust in that. So we lay this worry down. We lay this anxiety down. We pray, God, we'd stop carrying what we're not meant to carry. And we'd find freedom and life and joy and peace in letting go and grabbing hold of you. Would you move in our hearts in a powerful way now? Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to sing two songs. And uh, the first song that we're going to sing uh, specifically is the new song. And so I know, as always, with kind of new songs, it can be awkward in trying to sing them. Um, it's like, uh, 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 you know. Uh, my encouragement to you would be just as uh, let them sing over you. Let the words of the song wash over you. I pray that in this song maybe you would... Uh, have a moment with the Lord. And maybe as you begin to pick up the song, you can sing it uh, with him as well. That would be great. But I also want to encourage you. The song says, lay it down. Lay it all down. That's what it says. Lay it all down. Lay down our worries. Lay down our fears. Lay down our anxieties. Lay it all down at the foot of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. So I want to encourage you. There's something powerful in the physical expression of uh, of, of any act of worship. So I would encourage you to come down here physically and lay down. Maybe there's some stress or worry or anxiety that's been eaten away at you. Maybe it's some situation that you just keep playing over and over in your mind and it's just robbing you of your relationship with Jesus, robbing you of joy and hope and peace. Lay it down. Come down here and resolve before the Lord. I'm laying it before you, Jesus, and I'm walking out of here saying, I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to grab hold of the scriptures. I'm going to grab hold of your presence. I'm going to live in the moment. I'm just going to hold tight to the, the, your kingdom and your righteousness. So I would implore you to come and lay, lay it down. We all got stress and worries and fears and anxieties. We could all come to the altar. Every one of us. I would encourage you. Lay it down. Some of you need to do that.
You need to come down here and say, I'm done fighting with this. I'm done trying to do this in my own power. I'm done worrying about this situation. I'm laying it before, the, before my God. And I'm letting him deal with it now. So we're going to sing. We're going to worship together. They're going to sing this over you. Let it wash over you. And feel free to come and lay down. Whatever anxieties are welled up in your heart. Lay it before the Lord and resolve to walk from here. Taking hold of him. Thank you again for being here.